Hello, I'm Eric, Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and welcome to the second of a two-part interview with Christopher Painter, Cyber Issues Coordinator at the U.S. State Department. In part one of the interview, which you can find elsewhere on our website, Painter discussed the challenging diplomatic initiatives the United States is pursuing with Russia and China to secure the Internet, as well as State Department efforts to get sovereign nations to adopt strategies to make cyberspace safer. As we continued our conversation, I asked Painter about how America's and Europe's differing views of privacy have an impact when taking advantage of the Internet to promote international commerce. One of the things that we've always stressed, and particularly with respect to privacy, privacy legislation, there's been privacy policies, and there's been a lot of work in the U.S. in terms of privacy bill of rights, that white paper that was issued by the White House a while ago now. And of course, there's been legislative efforts in the EU on data privacy issues. The most important thing is that we don't need to have completely the same systems, but we need to have interoperable systems. We need to make sure that our privacy protection systems and frankly even our cybersecurity approaches are interoperable so that companies and governments who operate internationally, which they all do, are not subject to a whole bunch of different conflicting approaches, but instead have something that works together. That's really been our big push and we'll be had these discussions about privacy with Europe on data privacy and even law enforcement privacy issues. What's the vehicle to assure that there is this interoperability? I think it is having sustained discussions about this. And for instance, the U.S. approach has emphasized enforcement. The FTC has done a lot of enforcement on, on privacy and has a strong record in that regard. But we also have been developing more of a privacy policy that came out of our Commerce Department and other folks here at the State Department in terms of what are this Privacy Bill of Rights thing I mentioned, which sets out what our core values are, but at the same time does not try to have a more regulatory uh, hand in how that's arranged. We're very, I think, cognizant of making sure that things are interoperable and everything that we do. And when we talk to our foreign counterparts, that's what we advance. So when we comment on other approaches around the world, that's one of the things that we do. And, and I work with people here at the department who are not in my office, but in another office here who we work closely with who, who carry that forward. How big is your office? We started with a, a small number. We've grown to about 10 now, but it's more than just the office. The, the way we work, we're in the secretary's office at the State Department, and we work with folks across the department who work with us. So, for instance, how we work with a office within the Economic Bureau and a lot of the economic issues and some of the governance issues. We work with our International Organizations Bureau. We work with our Democracy and Human Rights Bureau on a lot of those issues. We work with uh, the people who do law enforcement issues and security issues. We work with every regional uh, bureau as well. We have a coordination group that meets once a month, and we pull in people from all those bureaus to discuss these issues and make sure we're synced up. And then we have an interagency team that we work with. You know, there are certain things we lead in. There are certain things that others lead in and we work with them on. But the idea is really to bring this all together. And I'm happy that we've grown. I'm sure we can continue to grow. We will need to uh, as this gets to be more and more of a priority. But uh, I think we, uh, we've been pretty effective in pulling people together. You mentioned cybercrime. Is that one of the biggest areas you deal with? That's one of the areas. As I think about it, there are five buckets and then two kinds of threats we've been working on. The two threats I mentioned were sort of intrusion threat and the uh, right now the DDoS attack or the malicious code threat. The five policy areas are the human rights uh, area, which includes internet freedom, you know, working with our DRL colleagues and others uh, here at the department, internet governance issues, 
cybercrime, cybersecurity, and then international security. So cybercrime is one of those five major buckets, and it's a key one here. One of my deputies here comes from a cybercrime background, a prosecutor. I also was at the Department of Justice for many years, prosecuting and then working on cybercrime policy. We think that's an important thing around the world for countries to have strong cybercrime laws, strong capacities to, to actually fight cybercrime, and then the ability to coordinate. In that regard, we've been promoting what's called the Budapest Cybercrime Convention around the world, and, and more countries are now signing up to it. The U.S. is a member of that convention. We've been working with countries to do capacity building to put better laws in place. And there's something called the 24-7 network for high-tech crime, which is now over 60 countries around the world because digital evidence can disappear so quickly. To, so this is to help actually track criminals down. So there's been a lot, I think, of advancements on this since I started doing cybercrime back in cybercrime prosecution, not cybercrime itself, back in 1991. Cybercrime really in many ways predated the, the kind of emphasis on cybersecurity. People understood and were thinking about cybercrime even back then, and it's still a really important issue right now. As we look to the future, one of the things we want other countries to do is really step up on cybercrime in terms of their laws and their policies and work with each other and with us. You talk about having their laws improved to address cybercrime. Uh, how much of your work is toward working together to try to uh, limit cybercrime itself? is one of our major priorities. So we address that in a couple of different ways. One is we work closely with our Department of Justice colleague and, and our FBI and Secret Service colleague. We try to enhance the kind of operational coordinations out there, and obviously that's their daily work. They're involved in the trenches and doing the operational coordination. We've been leading, chairing a G8 high-tech crime group for many years that brings the G8 countries in the EU together to talk about how we combat cybercrime on a policy level, but also think about specific problems. Projects. The 24-7 network is part of that, was born out of that G8 uh, group, and, and we are very involved in managing that. That's grown to over 60 countries now. Part of the capacity building we do around the world is, again, focused on cybercrime and cybersecurity, because I, I view them as two sides of the same coin. Cybersecurity is how do you really prevent these things from happening, but if they do happen, how do you make sure that people are accountable? How do you go after the criminals that, that are either attacking or intruding into systems? That's been pretty important in terms of our overall work. And I also say that countries around the world, as they think about their own cyber strategies, you know, I think there are about 20 cyber national cyber strategies now around the world, some on their version 2.0 or 3.0. Cybercrime usually is featured pretty prominently there as well. You spoke this spring at Purdue University Center for Education and Research and Information Assurance and Security. That's the group headed by Gene Spafford. Among the points you raised was how is internet governance accomplished? Can you discuss a little bit about how Internet governance is accomplished? Well, so that's another bucket that I mentioned. And, and I, as I said, I, we work closely with other folks here at the State Department and with everything we work closely with the White House and also, in this case, with our, our Commerce Department colleagues. And the most important thing, the kind of bedrock principle for Internet governance is this idea of a multi-stakeholder approach, of having not just governments calling the shots, but having governments, the private sector, and civil society, and, and the people, the, the sort of technicians, the Internet wise guys, if you will, all participate. That was evidenced when we did these OECD internet policy-making principles now a couple of years ago, which said you need to have this open system, you need to have this multi-stakeholder system. 
that's how the Internet's grown up, uh, Eric. I mean, as you know, the, the Internet, although it was fostered initially by a government, the way it has developed, the way it's become so popular, the way it's become such an incredible engine of economic and social growth is not because governments have run it. It's because you've had this multi-stakeholder approach. That's something that we feel very, very strongly about, and we, we resist governments who want to have a much more top-down, government-centric approach or a government that says, well, you know, we want to have sovereignty over our cyberspace, which essentially creates these digital bubbles, which undermines the interoperability and interconnectedness of the Internet. This is one of the big challenges going forward, is making sure people understand why this is multi-stakeholder and why it should remain that way, and making sure that as people think about the future of the Internet, they don't abandon this core principle. And how much does that threaten cybersecurity? You have nations now that are putting restrictions on what can be shared on their Internet. I think that it does threaten cybersecurity because on the one hand, I think some of the best approaches you've had to securing systems are not top-down government approaches, but are solutions that have come out of this multi-stakeholder process. The threat is that governments in the name of security want to monitor content, and this goes to the Internet Freedom Agenda as well, but it really is an area where governance, internet freedom, and security all come in. You know, security should not be used as a proxy to censor citizens to try to clamp down on dissidents. That, that's not appropriate. And we said in our international strategy, you can have both security and openness at the same time. Uh, and multi-stakeholder governance was important to both of those. Uh, so as we go into these various forums and these things are debated, this is a point that we continually make. The countries that are clamping down, is it really for security or is it for just protecting their own governments? Well, see, that's where they define security that way, and we do not. I think there are governments who are more worried about regime stability than they are about cyber stability or you know, regime security rather than cyber security. The thing that, that's being missed, and, and I know there's some work being done in different places around the world, is the, the importance of not just the Internet to the economy in countries and the social development of countries, but the importance of an open Internet to economic development. And particularly for the developing world, that's an important concept, that having an open internet is really what's going to drive economic development, innovation in those countries, and that really ends up leading to greater stabilities. That's one of the arguments that, that we're constantly advancing as we go around the world. And I think for those countries, you know, quite frankly, I think there are some countries that are entrenched on the side of wanting to do more government control and control of content who look at this as information security and not cybersecurity. There's a large group of countries who believe the Internet should be open. And there's a number of countries who are in the developing world and other places who are on the fence, who are trying to figure out what's the best approach. And those are the countries we need to reach and we need to talk about how you do cybersecurity in an effective way and how you maintain openness and why that's going to lead to a benefit for those countries. How important is the language? We just discussed a bit about how uh, security means different things to different governments. Privacy could mean something different to Europeans than it does to us in America. It's important in the sense that, you know, if the term that actually is meant to mean something else, you need to know what that means. So in other words, when people use the term information security, sometimes that may be a benign meaning, but often what it means is security of information, which is a proxy for censorship, and that's not acceptable. We have to be careful about language and how we use language. The same is true when you talk about intrusions, cyber intrusions versus cyber attacks. There are different concepts, uh, but people tend to conflate them together. So I think precision in language is important as we, we have these international discussions because we can't be talking past each other. Do you have any final thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think when we first talked after I took this job, I was I was very, you know, I certainly was very optimistic. I thought this was a great opportunity to really move this forward. And I have to say, I, I feel the same today. Even even as a uh, as an ex prosecutor, I have a very hopeful view of the future. I think that there's a lot we've been able to do in just the last couple of years. I, I think this has obviously been a, a huge priority for the president and for the the secretary and for other senior people throughout the government. And if anything, I just see this because a more important issue as we go forward. There are challenges out there, and they're significant ones, uh, but I also think there are some real opportunities for us to make progress. I'm optimistic, and I think that there's a lot more we need to do, uh, and I look forward to doing it. Thanks, Chris. Sure. I've been speaking with Christopher Painter, Cyber Issues Coordinator for the U.S. Department of State. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.